So my voice either sounds gross or sexy today because um, I went to a football game on Monday night and um, I kind of threw out my voice. So I'm going to try to um, make it sexy, you know? I think it's already leaning on the sexy side. (laughs) Definitely don't have to try. Oh, yeah, it's just... Just organically sexy. Organically sexy. Thanks, man. You're welcome. Um, So for anybody that's listening... We have to say that Mark really blew it today because we use Mark's iPad for the sound effects. Mm-hmm. Now, all we have and is this. He left it two hours away at his house. One hour. No. Oh. So I'm going to bootleg sound effects on my Chromebook mm-hmm. that I got free for signing up with Verizon. He regrets it. By the way. I got the iPad free for going to a church. Yeah? I mean, it's not my iPad. That's all you have to do? Yeah, so you have to go do. to church. FYI. Jesus will give you an iPad. Mm, <laughs> hallelujah. I love that new Kanye album. I hate it. Where he talks about Jesus give me wealth. Yeah. Yeah, just Jesus give me an That's the only iPad. lyric that I like. <laughs> Everything else is trash. Breaking yeah. news on Bible Dingers News Network. Oh! Was that smooth or not? Oh, but try to do the sound bite on our own. You do the deep voice. Bible dingers. You didn't even have to fake it. No, that was me. We had it. I just did Oh, that, that was you. Do it yeah. again. Do it again. Oh, oh uh, it has to play all the way through. Bible oh. dingers. <laughs> I mean, I have to play all the way through. <laughs> <laughs> That's impressive. Talking, uh, Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. Sounds phenomenal. That's how you um, answered every everything that Paul Copan said in our interview. What is that? That's great. Yeah, he would give us like a twenty minute dissertation on the the um, <laughs> the different intricacies of the Mosaic Covenant, and it could be like, yeah, that's great. That's great. Yeah. So um, I'm gonna ask you another question. They're moving on. Yeah. <laughs> oh wow, that's great. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> or like you, how about we just do you? Hmm. Hmm. But I say that during. Can we talk about how many times he says, hmm? I got that from my mom. Hmm. The interviews are tough. They're great, though. They're good stuff. I learn more when I hear it again. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. See? Yeah. If I had a nickel every time you said, hmm, I would have at least 50 nickels. Oh, maybe. At least 50 every episode. I'll be a rich man. Is that your fake news or real news? No. Um, okay. I got it right here, baby. Do you have it right here, baby? You guys remember Samsung's phones exploding? Yeah. Yes. You have a Samsung, right? Uh, No. Well, no, you had a Samsung. I've had a Samsung, yeah. Um, Samsung's exploding Note 7. You know about that, right? From a few years I ago. I guess, yeah. Yeah, I, this was too good not to talk about. It was repackaged as the Galaxy Note Fan Edition. Is that fan fake edition? news or real news? What's The f- same exact phone that exploded was then, after exploding, was repackaged and renamed oh, that's sick. the Fan Edition. I would definitely want that. Fan Edition? Yeah, the like you're edition. a fan of it, like... 
like a collector's like thing. I think only fans could buy this because they're obviously loyal. They're buying phones that are exploding. Is that fake news or real news? Oh wait, I thought you meant they were taking like the exploded phones and packaging. No, them. Samsung did it, not the people. They took the exploded phones. The phones that were recalled uh-huh. because they were apparently going to oh, explode. Okay. okay. Oh, that's not that cool. I thought they were taking the exploded phones and, and like putting them in a box. Yeah. I thought that would be cool. That would be cool. Like the like the glass is just like exploded. Yeah. I would buy that. That would be cool. It if it was like 30 bucks, I'd buy that. Yeah. No, this is fake news. Well, it's there's, obviously real news. There's no phone that's called fan edition. Never heard of it's that. It's clearly real news. How is it clearly real news? You're just saying that to play devil's advocate. You tell me in what universe Nick came up with that story. That's not what I'm thinking. I I just think it sounds so, too stupid. Oh, you think it's on Even the onion or Nick something? Nick does not come up with a story. Doesn't mean it's obviously fake because I can come up with it on any website. It's clearly real news. Yeah, sure. So what's the answer? I wish I had a clap or something, bro. What do we have? It's- there we go. It is real news. That's <laughs> the fan edition. <laughs> Samsung's refurbished Galaxy Note 7 will be on sale as the new Galaxy Note fan edition. While the fan edition hardware is mostly the same exact phone, Samsung is using a smaller battery that oh. the company claims will not explode. <laughs> Dang it. The non-explodable why, edition. Why even buy it? Yeah. I, w- I would have liked to buy an exploded phone. That would have been cool. Do you think somebody's like lie. selling it online or something like that? Like yeah. Sometimes you just have to own your mistakes. Yeah. You know, talking about owning mistakes, I got one more for you. Okay. You took your kids trick-or-treating, right? Yeah, which was not a mistake. It was not a mistake? Right. I'll tell you about the mistake. <laughs> okay. A trick-or-treater in New Jersey got a bag of heroin. What? Is that fake news or real news? That's probably real news. Does heroin come in bags? Yes. I'm going to say that's fake news. A trick-or-treater in New Jersey got a bag of heroin. Yep. That's fake news. Don't we have like some of the most dangerous cities in this state? Yeah. And we also have the most heroin. So, and you're going to say it's, it's fake news. But we don't have that many trick-or-treaters. <laughs> it was rainy that day. So? So, you know... Wow, you guys are on totally opposite sides of the spectrum That's fake news. It's totally real. A trick-or-treater in South Jersey was surprised to find a bag of heroin among his candy prizes, and it has parents in the Garden State double-checking their kids' Halloween treats. A Cape May May mother, who acts to remain anonymous, told NBC News that her 11- and 7-year-old sons attended a trick-or-treating event on October 25th, and uh, one of them hauled in a suspicious baggie with the cartoon character Deadpool stamped on his cover. A test that came back this week reportedly revealed the bag contained heroin. Now authorities are warning parents to be vigilant. Okay, so it, it was on October Halloween. 25th at a party. Yeah. So I'm going to say that the kid A trick or treat heroin. event for an 11-year-old? Okay, Someone but was like, you, I thought that you were saying that like he went to some random dude's house and the dude just put a bag of heroin in his pumpkin. That's essentially what happened. No, he went to a party. A trick-or-treat event. It wasn't a Halloween party. It was a trick-or-treat event for an 11-year-old. And someone was like, you know what? would be cool to put in this guy's bag. <laughs> Drop some of that. Good, good. Stretch my hand. 
I can't with this. Life like this is what your life like. Try to live the life right. People really know you push your buttons like type right. This is like a movie, but it's really very lifelike. Every single night, right? Every single fight, right? I was looking at the gram and I don't even like likes. I was screaming at my daddy, told me it ain't Christ like. I was screaming at the referee, just like Mike. Looking for a bright light. Seek what your life like. Shout out to Yeezy. Yeezy. So ridiculous. It's not ridiculous. I'm not even sure he calls himself that anymore. <sighs> well, his shoes are called that still. Oh, yeah, his shoes. Um, yeah. I love it. I mean, I love about half of it, yeah. which I've told you guys already. Mm-hmm. It's too short. Mm. Mm. Just kinda, We need more Yeezy. So that's two what? nickels so far. <laughs> <laughs> I like... Said, um, He's already coming out with another album on Christmas. Is he? A Christmas album? I don't know if it's a Christmas album. Oh, I hope it's a Christmas album. That would be awesome. Jesus, Jesus. I wonder if he's going to say that. Yeah, he's going to say no, Jesus, Jesus. You know what he does say? John 833. Yes. Yeah. We the descendants of Abraham. Yeah. Yeah. That's my that's my stuff. I like when he says he's the new commander in chief. That's on Keith. <laughs> yeah. You know who Chief Keith is? No. A rapper, right? Yeah. You don't know Chief Keefe? I don't even listen to him. I know that. That's on Keefe. Mm. That's on God. Anyways, we had a leadership meeting at church yesterday and they had they had the new Kanye album on like in the background the whole time. Of course they did. And it was like so so gospel centered in that moment. Mm. The gospel's everywhere on that album. It is. It's no joke. Yeah. Even the interviews I watched. And I love that. I love seeing people go from dark to light. Me you too. Know? I do like the overall goal of the album. The album itself is terrible, but the goal, the message is great. Yeah. Well, I was telling you, I'm not a huge, I, I'm not going to sit here and say the music is amazing because it's really not, but I do love the message. Yeah. yeah. And the message I, is great. The songs, are, I do find them catchy, even if I don't think they're masterpieces. Mm. Mm. You guys are clearly haters, but... We'll move on past that. What are we talking about today, fellas? Uh, Psalms. Psalms. This is the smallest book in the Bible. That sounds Psalms. Oh, okay. That's one way to break our uh, mic stands, I guess. Um, Yes, we are talking about the book of Psalms today. If you open up your Bible right in the middle... You probably opened it to the book of Psalms. Yep. So you could whoa. actually fall upon the book by accident. Yeah. If you drop your Bible on the floor. Whoa. Which I don't think anybody has ever done that. No, but if you have, it probably would open automatically to Psalms. Yeah. Because it's really, really long. It's God's it's book. Exactly in the middle. Yeah. So the title of Psalms in the Hebrew Bible is can you guys guess what it is? Psalms? Um, In the Hebrew Bible, what's the title of Psalms? I don't know, something Jewish like... Yeah. I don't know why, I just have a feeling like it's Tehillim. It is Tehillim. Yeah, oh, I, I wasn't wrong. <laughs> Which means book of praises. Um, the Subtuagent is where we get the title Psalms from. If you don't know what the Subtuagent is by now, go back and listen to our other 20-something episodes um, you know, just freaking get educated. Yeah, like you know? first yeah. of all, you sound like my kid that's crying in the background right now. If you don't know what the Subtuagent is, mm. you know, there's nothing like ragging on the listeners. You know, 
It's been too many episodes. You should know Septuagint. <laughs> Anyways, um, so that's where we get the title Psalms from is the Septuagint. And Psalms essentially means the plucking of strings, um, if you didn't know that. So it's a collection of songs that go with music accompaniment. So that's why you see even today they're using the Psalms a lot to make, you know, contemporary mm-hmm. worship music. Um, 116 of the Psalms already have a title. Um, so like a song title um, or what it's technically called superscriptions. Um, and a lot of times these convey information such as the author, um, the dedication, which worship leaders were supposed to sing it and what occasion it was for, um, and things like that. So you basically just got information about the song in the superscription or the title. As far as the author and the date of writing, who do you guys think the author of Psalms is? Um, I think the most well-known one would probably probably be David. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. David, Jesus. Uh, Paul. Paul. Adam. He was was alive when those papers Mm -hmm. were found. Moses. Moses. Yeah, so we know of at least seven of the psalm writers, and we just said most of them. Um, The first one... It's not Jesus. The the first one... Yeah, I was being sarcastic. I don't don't know if they know my sense of humor yet, but mostly it's just like things that aren't funny. That's what I'll say, you know, in order to try and be funny. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) We know of at least seven psalm writers... One, obviously, is David. He wrote at least 73. I say at least because we're not sure. Some others may be attributed to him, but we're not positive. We also know that the sons of Korah wrote at least 10 of the Psalms. Asaph wrote 12 Psalms. Solomon definitely wrote one Psalm, and he possibly wrote a second Psalm. So we know for sure he wrote Psalm 127, and we think he might have written Psalm 72 as well. Um, we know that Moses actually did write one psalm. He wrote Psalm 90. Hmm. Also, He-Man wrote one. He-Man? <laughs> sick. That's sick. Oh, like the, the 80s cartoon? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, He-Man wrote one. Hercules wrote one too. Xena. Xena yeah. <laughs> wrote one. So I don't know if that's actually how you pronounce his name. It's spelled H-E-M-A-N, but we know that... Uh, man maybe? Yeah. In uh, Jersey, we pronounce that He-Man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how it was in ancient Israel. Uh, so He-Man wrote uh, Psalm 88. Um, and lastly, we know that Ethan wrote one. You guys know who Ethan is? No. His name was Ethan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he wrote uh, chapter 89. So that leaves about 50 psalms that are anonymous or sometimes referred to as orphan psalms because they ain't got no daddies. Some people speculate that Ezra authored a few as well. We don't know. But a lot of people speculate that Ezra wrote a lot of books. Mm -hmm. People speculate that he wrote Nehemiah, Esther, um, so on, so forth. We know that if um, Moses authored Psalm 90... We're going to get into the date now. That's why I'm, if this doesn't seem to make sense, that's what I'm doing. We know that if Moses authored Psalm 90, then the date of authorship spans from Moses's lifetime in the 1400s BC to post-exilic times in the 400s BC. Uh, we know that it spans that late because of the context and the nature of a few of the Psalms. 
So that means that the psalm spans about a thousand years of history, and that's about the same amount of time that it takes to read the book of Psalms. (laughs) (laughs) There you go with those jokes again, huh? Um, So uh, we know that the, the entire book collaboratively took about a thousand years to write. Um, but I guess the majority of written of it was written during David's lifetime because David wrote at least 73 of them. them, Um, so David lived between 1020 and 975 BC. Um, so that's where the majority of the book was written. Also, it seems that, um, it seems like the Psalms were gathered together in different, in different phases. Um, and we would kind of expect that because there's such a large gap between when they were first written and when they were done being written a thousand years. Um, and so I think that would most likely explain the five books of Psalms, which we'll go over in the outline. But basically it's the book of Psalms is broken up into five different books. And I think that that's just basically five different times throughout those thousand years when they gathered all the songs together and put them into this song book. Yeah, it could be. Sure. It's like the OG hymnal. Pretty much. You know, I was thinking when I was going to the bathroom before coming up here to start recording this, the the, the book of Psalms reminds me of Salty. You remember Salty, the cartoon hymn book when you were a kid? I kind of do. The blue hymn book? The blue hymn book. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Salty. Yeah. Salty? Yeah. Yeah. I do. But with like a P. Salty, the hymn book. It's like a Christian cartoon. I do remember that. Along with Bible Man and Veggie Tales. Yeah, you're a little bit younger than us, so you yeah. can see. I mean, yeah, I know Veggie Tales. I mean, I, uh, I probably know songs that you never even heard from Donut Man. Donut Man, that's right. Steve Green. <laughs> Donut Man. <laughs> I mean, we had a blue hymnal in my church growing up. You don't know oh. Steve Green? No. Or uh, Donut Man? No. What? Do you know, um, what's the other one? McGee and Me? Do you know McGee I, I and Me? I don't know that one. You don't know McGee and Me? No. How about Superbook? Superbook's is somewhat new. No, it was on when I was a kid. Really? Yeah. But they're still Super releasing Book. them, aren't they? Are they? I think I heard that. I think my sister was telling me that. I think they're still releasing them. I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm not certain, but it's a solid cartoon. I do like that. Anyways, back to the Superbook of Psalms. Um, so there's a little bit of debate on the title or superscriptions of Psalms. The preposition Lamed appears in nearly all of the superscriptions and has traditionally been taken to mean of or by. Basically, it has always been thought to designate an author when it comes to the book of Psalms. However, people have become skeptical that this truly designates authorship um, based on different historical and grammatical reasons. One of those is that the preposition lamed has traditionally meant to. However, Hebrew grammar is different than English grammar. Yes, so I think the... Yeah, so people are saying that, oh, David didn't write these psalms because in the superscriptions it has the preposition lamed, Mm -hmm. which usually means to. So what they're saying is it looks like the superscriptions say to David. It was written to him and not by him. Right. Yeah. But to say that in Hebrew, to say to David can most definitely mean that it was written by David. To make it simpler, they attributed the psalm to David. Um, next, what we're going to discuss is the date of the 
events. We know that this book is not historical, but there are still passages that coincide with events that you can read about in other portions of Scripture. And we're going to go through some of those. I think you mean it's not a historical narrative? It's not a historical account. Unlike Yeah, it's like the type of literature is not historical narrative. It's telling a real story, but it's not known to be historical literature. Yes. Sort of. Yeah. Not that it's it's not historical, like it's not reliable. Yes. Right. Exactly. It's not meant to be it's not read, read, read as a historical book. It's actually meant to be read as a song or it's, accompanied it's like by lyrics. music. Yes, exactly. But it does it does tell real stories a hundred percent. Word. And it is a hundred percent reliable. And Kanye okay. wrote Psalm one fifty. <laughs> How many chapters are there? Seven. Oh, I got you, girl. I got you. I think girl. there's exactly 150. Yeah, but I might. One fifty-one. There's 151. No, there's 150. Ah, I knew it. Okay, so let's look at the passages that coincide with events that you read in the Book of Psalms. So, in Psalm 59, it is linked to First Samuel 19:11. Okay. And then Psalm 56 is okay. linked to 1 Samuel 21. Okay. Okay? Okay. Then Psalm 34 is also linked to 1 Samuel 21. 10, 22 through 2. Okay? Okay. Okay? <laughs> Fine. <laughs> okay? Why can you crack me up? As you can notice, a lot of these stories are King David. You could right? notice. Right? Yeah, you could. Most of these stories is, is King David stories. You could. I just decided um, that. <laughs> Psalm 52 is linked to 1 Samuel 22.9. Okay. Psalm 54 is linked to 1 Samuel 23.15-23. Okay. All right. We, we don't have uh, sound bites, so we got to improvise. Okay. Okay. Yes, Nick. Okay. All right. Psalm 57 is linked to either 1 Samuel 22, 1 through 2 or 1 Samuel 24. Uh, you kind of jumped the gun on that through there. Did I? Yeah, you said 23. 23. <laughs> Instead of 22. <laughs> That's great. Really trying let's, to get through uh, these references, let's aren't you? Let's keep going. Yeah. Psalm 60 <laughs> is linked to 1 Chronicles 18, 9 through 12. Okay. By the way, I'm saying okay because it's exactly how my boss sounds. Oh, yeah? If one of my coworkers are listening, he says, okay, every single time he talks to you. Huh. Are you working today? No, I'm off. Okay. <laughs> How do you respond to that? Okay. <laughs> okay. I, you know, and then you catch yourself saying it later and I'm, oh, I sound just like him. Yeah. Okay. I'm super thankful for this moment. Yep. You don't know what you would do in life without, okay. All right. Correct. Okay, Psalm 60 is linked to 1 Chronicles 18, 9 through 12. Then we got Psalm 18, and it is almost identical to 2 Samuel 22. Okay, then we have Psalm 51. Psalm 51 is based on what happened in 2 Samuel 11 through 12. Hey. Hey, how you doing? What was that? That was David and Bathsheba. Bathsheba? Bathsheba. 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 Yeah. She was taking a bath in the Sheba. <laughs> she was taking a bath. Yep. Was it in the Sheba, though? <laughs> well, we'll never know. We'll never know. We, I wasn't there. 
Yeah, so that's just a handful of examples. Uh, There's more possible examples, but they're a little bit speculative. Um, We're not really sure if they're actually tied to those historical events. But these examples we know for sure are tied to the historical events. Mark A, we need a drum roll, baby. You know what's next? Come on. You know what time that is, huh? It's a fun fact time. Bible dingers. Sounds great. Fun facts for all you dingers out there. So, Psalm is the longest book of the Bible. Did you know that? You just stole my fun facts, bro. Oh, you were going to do the fun facts? Oh, you haven't said that already. (laughs) Second fun fact is there's lots of psalms about Jesus. Not Jesus. Jesus. But Jesus wasn't born yet. What you talking about? We'll find out in a little bit. Last week. Is your name Vanilla Ice or something? Yeah. Or no, I guess two weeks ago. Shh, don't tell the audience. And Job. Oh, they already listened to Job. Cam, Hugh Ross. And then Psalm? Psalm. Okay, three weeks ago (laughs) on Job, it talks about the Redeemer. Mm, My Redeemer. How he leaves. So yes, that is a fun fact, and we will talk about that um, a little bit later. Um, Last fun fact is, well, I did put one fun fact in here, and I said that the Song of Ascent is my favorite song right now. What are there, 15 Psalms that are labeled the Book of Ascent? The Song of Ascent, yes. The Songs of Ascent. Yes, there are 15 Song of Ascents. Um, What numbers? 120 through 134. Um, And then the last fun fact is that the word Selah Selah. appears 71 times throughout the Psalms. Although most people accept it as a word that either means take time to reflect or pay attention or something like that, no one really knows what it means. John eight three six. <laughs> tell you, I tell you, folks, we got Kanye in the building. So whoever the sun sets free, I watch, is free indeed. I he wa- saved like rich. <laughs> 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 All right, the purpose of the book. I watched an interview of uh, <laughs> some guy asking people on the street what's their favorite parts of the new Kanye album, and the guy was like, "I don't really know how to say it, Sila, Sila." That's my favorite song. I just thought that was cool that like random dudes that don't know anything Saint about Sila. the Bible yeah. are talking about how they like Selah. Yeah. Anyways, the poipus. Let's talk about the poipus of the book. So the purpose of Psalms is to express emotion of the individual poets to God or about God. Um, a few things to note about the book of Psalms. It is highly relatable. It's timeless. And it's vulnerable. Don't do that. Do it. Oh, you mean like the psalm about beating your kids against rocks (laughs) is timeless? Also, highly relatable and vulnerable. Well, what he's saying is go on our website, BibleDingers.com, and check out a Weird Verse Wednesday that we wrote about in regard to that special psalm of where the Bible directs us to throw all babies against rocks. Is that what you were saying, Mark? Is You were saying to go on the website? Oh, that's what I was saying. Okay, yep. I was just checking. It's a shameless plug. Yeah. So we are Timeless. going to get into the outline, Timeless. and this is a long one because it's the longest book of the Bible. I don't know if I've mentioned that yet. No. Um, there are five major parts 
of Psalms, there's book one, book two, book three, book four, and book five. 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 And that's the outline. Thank you for listening. (laughs) Bye. Bye Bye-bye. That really is the outline, though. There's this. This isn't like a historical book or a, an epistle or anything like that. It's just a collection of songs. So that really is our outline today. Book one is chapters one through forty-one. Book two is chapters forty-two through seventy-two. Book three is chapters seventy-three through eighty-nine. Book four is chapters ninety through one hundred and six, and book five is chapters one hundred and seven and one hundred and fifty. Now, normally. The outline is the longest part of our episode. So instead of sparing you and letting you finish this episode right now, we're going to go on an hour-long tirade about how to read Psalms, about the different um, poetic elements of Psalms. Literary element. Literary elements. There you go. And the thing is, and the doodads. It's not going to be an hour, I promise. It's going to be two hours. It is important. Yeah, because you got to know how to read it. Honestly, they're going to know how long it is because they can look at their phone and it tells them how much longer. Isn't this considered hermeneutics? Like how to read the Bible? Isn't this portion how to read songs considered hermeneutics? Sort of. Kind of, right? Um, Yes. Exegesis is the actual term for how to read the Bible. Well, the, hermeneutics is more so how to apply the Bible. Gotcha. Yeah. Big words, fellas. Exegesis Sick. is more about what did it mean when it was written in yes. that time period. Hermeneutics is what does it mean to me? Yeah. I learned about... A I mich- gotta take this. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Hello? Yeah, frick what you learn, Mark. Hello? I thought it was a customer. I'm sorry. And I'm supposed to be at work right now. <laughs> really? Yeah. Okay. Um, what did you learn, Mark? What did you learn? <laughs> it doesn't matter. Now, I want to know what you learned. What you learned? I learned about a missional hermeneutic over the summer. Reading the Bible with missions in mind everywhere. Oh, that's cool. Because it is everywhere. Where did you learn that? Uh, just, you know, California. Oh, so you're like revisiting... Your, what you learned? I thought you said you just learned it over the weekend. The summer. Oh, did you say summer? I did. Thanks. Shout out to the traveling team. Shout out traveling team. When are you going to settle down? <laughs> Why do you keep traveling? They keep going places, those people. <laughs> I tell you. Really when are you going to break up and be individuals? I tell you, that team is really going places. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> That's fantastic. All right. So we have to discuss how to read Psalms and we'll get through it as fast as possible. We need you to bear with us because it's important stuff. There are interpretive elements pertaining to pertaining to the book of Psalms that you need to keep in mind while reading the book of Psalms. Yeah. Is that where you're going with it's that? It's important to remember a handful of things while reading Psalms. Yeah. Um, one element is lyric poetry. Woo. Lyric poetry expresses the emotion of the individual poet. Throughout the book of Psalms, we're going to see a lot of emotions described. Um, A lot of them are poetry. This means that the Psalms are true to the feelings of the writer and not necessarily true to the theology or other things. 
Okay? For example, just because a psalmist has written that he wants children to be dashed on rocks does not mean that God also desires the children to be dashed against rocks. The poet does. Mm. So it is appropriate to the emotion of the person writing it, okay, and the anguish that they're going through in that psalm. Um, Also, the poet often cites personal experiences as examples when speaking on the attributes of God, such as God is faithful because when I am surrounded by my enemies, he protects me. Ah. Again, relating to the emotion that the psalmist had while writing the psalm. Um, since these passages are so personal and relatable, it makes for an easy read. Yeah, so okay. that's one of the um, interpretive elements you need to keep in mind when reading the book of Psalms. Another thing to keep in mind is the evocative language Ooh. of songs. Any uh, guesses on what evocative means? Full of feeling. Yeah. So evocative uh, is... stirs up imagery. It evokes things okay. that's the adjective form of the noun ev- or the verb evoke so psalms is full of evocative language um a, a lot of the language used is symbolic and artistic and is used in order to evoke certain feelings from the reader either that or they're meant to evoke a resonation with the emotions of the poet so either they're trying to make you feel a certain way or they're trying to make you feel how they feel themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something important to keep in mind. Um, it's it's important to keep it in mind because um, you can't just interpret the Psalms as literal in most cases. Uh, when the psalmist writes about godly people who are a tree planted by the water, he's not saying that people are literally trees by water. He's trying to give you a picture in your head to evoke some kind of feeling of um, steadfastness or being sturdy and being fulfilled by the water and and this constant, you know, supply or, you know, whatever it is. It's supposed to evoke certain images in your head that are supposed to make you feel a certain way. And much of this evocative language is from an old agricultural perspective. So things like livestock, fields, nature and things like that are common pictures used by the writers. So it does kind of help to have a basic knowledge of those things um, because certain portions that didn't really make sense before would make sense if you kind of learned a little bit about the the setting and about agriculture in those days and and things like that. Gotcha. Those were the interpretive elements. Next, we're going to talk about the linguistic elements. The first one that we notice is parallelism. Parallelism is the predominant poetic element of the Psalms, okay? There are different kinds of parallelism, but essentially it is two or more portions of text that have some kind of relationship to each other, creating a single unit or thought. It is easier to explain when going through the different kinds of parallelism. We're going to la- we're going to uh, tell you about those now. Yeah, so the the first and the most common type of parallelism that you'll see in the book of Psalms is something called synonymous parallelism. And you see the word synonym kind of hiding in there. Um, That's essentially when the second line of a statement repeats the first line, but in different terms. So an example of that is Psalm chapter 38, verse one. And you see here, it says, Lord, do not punish me in your rage or reprove me in the heat of anger. 
So, huh? Lort? Yeah, Lort. Okay. Um, so these are saying the same thing, essentially just using different terms. And it's really just to add emphasis. That's really why parallelism is used in the Psalms. Um, another one is antithetical parallelism. So think of what we just talked about in synonymous parallelism, but it's the opposite. So this is when there's a contrast between statements. So an example of this is in Psalm 90 verse six, and that says in the morning it flourishes and is renewed in the evening. It fades and withers. So they're kind of just giving you a contrast between these two pictures. This is all over Proverbs. Yeah, it is. Almost every proverb is antithetical parallelism. Yes. So that's synonymous parallelism and antithetical parallelism. Next is emblematic parallelism, and that's kind of like the biblical version of a simile or a metaphor or something like that, and that's when something is like something else. So, and I mean, it doesn't have to say like, obviously. That's a simile, I think, right? Simile yeah. has to say like yeah, exactly. or as. as yeah. Um, so I guess the metaphor is the right word there, right? I, I think so. Yeah. Something like you're that. You're right. Anyways, you're an English major, Nick. You should know this. You're right. Um. So an example of that is in Psalm chapter 103, verse 13. And that says, as a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. So it's kind of like using this symbolism um, of a father and his child and the Lord and, and, the, and people who fear him. So that's emblematic parallelism. The last type of parallelism that we're going to go over is climactic parallelism. And that's when the same phrase is repeated multiple times. Um, an example of this is in Psalm chapter 29, verses 1 and 2. And that says, Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory of his name. Worship the Lord in holy array. So that's basically just um, giving emphasis when you repeat the same thing over and over again. And another thing that I want to mention that I didn't put in this outline for whatever reason is whenever the phrase six things God loves, seven things he loves with all his heart or whatever, or in, in Proverbs, I think it says six things God yeah. hates. Yeah. Seven things are an abomination. Detestable. Yeah. Detestable. So whenever you see a list like that, and there's a few of them in the book of Psalms as well, what they're doing there is... Yes, it's a list, but that last thing on the list is like especially emphasized. So that's the point of lists like that. When they say six things God hates, seven things he detests, that seventh thing is like the climax of what God detests. So you'll, hmm. you'll see a few of those lists in the book of Psalms as well. Interesting. Oh, and um, on the note of parallelism, before we continue... There's both internal and external parallelism. So sometimes a verse employs these elements within a single verse, and that's internal parallelism. And then there's other times where you see this happening throughout several verses, and that's external parallelism. So it doesn't have to be confined to one verse. Remember that chapters and verses were added by people later. It's not like it was written in the form that it's in now. So gotcha. keep that in mind, too. Gotcha. So that was the interpreted elements, the linguistic elements, and the next thing we're going to discuss are the arrangements of the psalms. There are a like couple the types. Musical arrangements? Exactly. Yeah. Like pretty much. Brass, you know, yeah. 
big band arrangements. Woodwinds. Yeah. Yeah. That's what my dad does. Yeah. Woodwinds? No, he's an arranger. Oh. He's a ranger? Yeah, he went to school for arranging. Like a Texas ranger? Like a power ranger? Arranging. <laughs> Sick. So arrangements. There are a couple of types of arrangements in the Psalms, but for the most part, they're not organized into stanzas or anything like that, like we would typically see in today's type of poetry. Um, they are organized in two different ways. Um, I don't know if I'm saying it. Strophes? Strophies. Strophies. Like trophies? Yeah, like trophies, but with an S Okay. They are... <coughs> oh, okay, Smeagol. <laughs> My precious. <laughs> no. They are arranged in two different ways. Strophies and acrostics. Strophies were the ancient way of dividing poetry. Psalm 119 is a psalm that is divided into eight verses per strophe, which is the way that it is divided. Um, acrostics are alphabetically arranged psalms. Each line of the psalm starts with the next consecutive letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Some examples are Psalm 9 through 10, 25, 34, 37, 111, 112, and the bonus number, 145. <laughs> is that the Powerball? <laughs> so we, we wouldn't this even... is Yolanda Vega with your lottery numbers. We would never know this from just an English reading. Correct. No, no way. Yeah, so it doesn't start and then go A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Yeah. What's after that? Uh, H. X. Yeah, so this is in the original Hebrew, of course, that um, you will see acrostics. Yep. Um, yeah, so those are the two different ways to, that you'll see um, psalms arranged. Obviously, that's not the only way, but those are the two major ways. Mm-hmm. Um. Now we're going to talk about the different types of psalms there are. There's there's several different types of psalms, so it's good to know which type of psalm you're reading in order to help your relation to it and your application of it. Um, so the first one is individual laments, and these are prayers or cries for help from the psalm writer to God. That's what a lament is, isn't it? Yeah, it's a cry yeah. or a crying out. Mm-hmm. Just in case you guys don't know what that means, for the most part, psalms are laments. Um, yeah, there's a good amount of laments in psalms. Yeah, um, so there's individual laments, there's national laments, um, and that's a prayer or cry on behalf of the nation mm-hmm. when they're faced with some kind of difficulty, like a, a battle or something like that, that's, or a famine or something that's coming. There's Thanksgiving psalms. And these are when the writer or the nation was delivered or they feel thankful that God did something for them. Um, So the Thanksgiving Psalm is written in order to express their gratitude and praise because God did something for them. Next is the descriptive praise Psalms. And these are Psalms that are written to praise God, but not necessarily when he did something for them. So this just kind of praises God for who he is because he's greater. Gotcha powerful or whatever that was a joke it's <laughs> it's one of those not funny things that i do so funny so after that is the wisdom psalms and these are very similar to the proverbs which you will get into next week okay but they're full of sayings and admonitions used to instruct people then there is the songs of ascent made popular very recently on the people album it is relatively unknown of exactly what ascent these refer to, 
So that's a fun fact for What's you. What's an ascent for those of you that don't know? It's when you go up or when something goes up. Like when you ascend in an airplane. Gotcha. What album are you talking about? The People? Hill yeah. Song. Hill Song United, bro. Oh, this is really my listen. song of ascent. I don't really listen to Hill Song. Well, you it's need to get song. your life together. It's a really good song. Actually. actually, I did like the new Elevation song, Never Lost. Mm. It has I haven't heard it. More of a, a gospel feel to it. Oh, like a Kanye like, feel? No. <laughs> but they use like actual chords. It's not just the same four chords. Oh, yeah. It's not just one, five, six, four. Yeah. What? There's some two, five, ones if you. What? They got the two in there? <laughs> <laughs> they got the minors? If you guys know any jazz out there. Mm. Sick. Everyone knows the number system, right? Yeah. Yeah, but two five one, not in the main key, like leading into oh, a, a different, wow. like into the four chord. Wow, that's gospel. Uh, is it? Yeah. I, don't, I I honestly haven't played very much gospel, so I'm as white as they come. I'm like toothpaste. Let's well, see in jazz, two five ones are like everything. Oh, I've never played jazz either. And yeah. we wondered why my friend thought he was black. Anything that, anything that takes any kind of skill or talent, I have not played musically. Your friend thought I was black? Yes, 100%. He thought From my black. voice? Yes. Why? Uh, because apparently you sound black. Because you got soul, baby. Why? Because I like jazz? No, because the sound of your voice. I love jazz. He envisioned a light-skinned, young, black man with a polo shirt. That's what he said. Sorry. You guys write in and tell us what you think we look like. <laughs> Mark looks like... A black man. A black man with a polo shirt. What what does Nick Nook look like? What does Nick based Nook on? Like? Uh, <laughs> what does Nick Nook like? <laughs> What's Ryan Nook like? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, songs of a sin. <laughs> Those are a thing. Um, this is where David used jazz chords. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so it's kind of unknown what songs of Ascent really are. Um, a lot of people have kind of theorized that it's when all of Israel goes to Jerusalem for festivals because they're like ascending to Jerusalem mm. or the, the people, people also, the, 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 the people, they also think that it could be when priests walk up the steps of the temple. Did you turn it to Donald Trump just now? <laughs> oh, I thought that was Bernie. Oh, uh, it was a little mixture. <laughs> it was a little, it was a little mixture. You sound really like Bernie there. Um, so anyways, yeah, people also think that it might be when priests walk up the steps of the temple to offer sacrifices this is what I was taught when I was a kid, that every step that they take, they they um, recite another verse from the Song of Ascent. Mm. So, I don't know. Nobody knows what it means. It is a killer song, though, and I love it. So, it is a good song. That is the sixth type of song. The seventh type of psalm that we're going to talk about are royal psalms, and these are psalms that focus on events in the life of a king they typically celebrate high points of the king's career. So that's not as cool as a song of ascent, but it's cool nonetheless. Yep. Yep. And the uh, eighth type of psalm. And most important, which we're going to talk about. Is the Messianic Psalms. Of course, this book. Wait, points, what does Messianic mean? Point to Jesus. 
It points to Jesus. Cristo. Wow. That's a good soundbite. Um, yeah. The most important part of this entire book is that obviously the Old Testament points to Jesus. And, uh, uh, not so obviously yeah. for obviously. some people. That's true, but yeah. it's obvious. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah, but you're wrong. That is what a messianic psalm is, that it points to Jesus. Um, the psalm, But these psalms are more typological than straight-up prophetic, like the major and minor prophets in the OT. Um, typo, typology. 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 Typology is when God uses certain portions. 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 <laughs> he uses the freaking portions. He's <laughs> so cute, bro. That's a throwback. <laughs> Typology is when God uses certain portions to give a picture or idea of Jesus <laughs> or what is to come, rather than speaking direct prophecy as he does in the prophets. Oh. So what that means is that the Messianic Psalms mostly have a primary meaning in what it is written, but also have a secondary meaning, which points points to Christ. <laughs> Most uh, prophecies are like that. They have secondary meanings. There are a lot like that, yes. There are several types of messianic psalms, though. That's what we're going to talk about next. I was wondering what we were going to talk about next. Yeah, we had no idea, but guess what? I don't know I don't know why I sound like Daffy Duck. Is that Daffy Duck? No. No, not at all. That sounds like Alfonso. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, there are five types of messianic psalms. Um, they are purely prophetic psalms, eschatological psalms, eschatological, eschatological psalms, right? <laughs> no, <laughs> eschatological, eschatological, yeah, eschatological, yes. the end times, eschatological, yes, okay, death. They are purely prophetic psalms, eschatological psalms. Um, typological prophetic psalms, indirectly messianic psalms, and typically messianic psalms. Yes. Um, the first one is purely prophetic psalms. This is essentially just Psalm 110, which refers to a future Davidic king who would be the Lord. This is the only true prophetic messianic psalm. The rest are types. Mm. The second is eschatological psalms. Eschatological. Define eschatological. that for me, son. What, what is eschatological? Mean? Describing end times. What is eschatological? Eschatology okay. has to do with Bible Revelation tigers. and Daniel. Oh, it's getting all prophecies. kinds of mixed up right now. Prophecies of the end times. It's basically and talking towards the uh, end times. Everyone talking over each other. End times. Loud things. You make my heart sing. No? What were you saying, So, eschatologic. (laughs) We get a lot of eschatology from Daniel and Revelation Mm. because they talk a lot. They have lots of visions of the end times. Yes. Which is the discipline of eschatology. Oh, yes. Eschatology is sort of like the study of the end times. Eschatological is the adjective form of eschatology. There's even Muslim eschatology. There's mm-hmm. Mormon eschatology. Yep. There's atheist ex- eschatology. Eschatology. Which is basically just evolutionary yeah. science. As you continue to say this word over and over again, it becomes You still more can't pronounce it. Es- it, it eschatology. 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 How many, uh, what other types of 
<laughs> messianic songs are there. Well, um, I wanted to continue on eschatological psalms, oh. which is Psalm 96 through 99, because it speaks about the crowning of a king, and it appears to speak about the second coming of Christ. Okay? Um, oh, it, so eschatological messianic means, like, Jesus returning. Well, yeah. it is a type that is yet to happen. Yeah. So it doesn't point to Jesus when he was already here. It points to the second coming of Christ. So it's yes. like super prophetic. Yeah. It's like it didn't even happen yet. The third type is typological prophetic psalms. And this is when the writer of these psalms talks about his personal experiences with language that becomes true of Jesus. An example of this is Psalm 22 which strongly resembles their crucifixion, including the statement, my God, why have you forsaken me? Hmm. Okay. The other kind, um, and just in case you guys are wondering what that verse is about, I'm thinking about maybe doing a weird verse Wednesday on it one day, because I think it's a tough thing to Your um, pastor has swallow. some interesting stuff to say on that. For sure. I think there's a lot of interesting things to say about that verse, but don't get too lost on that for now. Um, but it is... Um, an indication that it is a typological prophetic psalm, okay? And then the fourth one is indirectly messianic psalms. These are written about a currently living king, but it finds its ultimate fulfillment in Jesus. Some example of these are Psalm 2, 45, and 72. So the last one is typically messianic psalms. These are psalms where the writer is a type of Christ in some way. A couple of examples of this are Psalm 34 and 109. Let me close this up, Riri. A type of Christ? Yeah, so it's like the author himself is like a type of Christ. So he's not talking about someone else as a type of Christ. So he's like saying that I am the sacrifice that I... like a first person point of view? He's talking about things that happened to him and those things are messianic in nature because they point to Jesus mm. point it's cute thanks yeah so um, Psalms is an amazing book it's relatable um, it can serve as encouragement and hope it can teach us how to pray and it can teach us how to relate to God in our intimate relationship with him um, <clears throat> it shows us that we can talk to God about things that are happening in our happening in our everyday life um, we can share our hurts and our heartaches. We can praise him on the mountain. We can praise him when the mountain's in our way. Uh, just, uh, what up, Hillsong? <laughs> it just, uh, is very relatable and, um, just something that you can take and apply directly to your life. Um, not necessarily like reading the Psalms and saying, Oh, this guy wants to dash babies against rocks. Let me go to do that too. But it's more so showing you how an intimate relationship with God will look. You know, you're, you're talking to him every day about what's going on in your life. You're, you're giving him your struggles. You're talking to him about the hopes that you have. You're thanking him for victories. Mm -hmm. You know, you're thanking him for who he is. He's gracious. He's loving. So you're thanking him for that. Um, so these are all things that you can learn from the book of Psalms. Yeah. And for sure, a lot of these people are going through a lot of anguish. So if you're going through some stuff, in your life, just know that the people during Bible times went through things just as bad or or even worse than, than you're going through. And they continue to point to Jesus. 
and they expressed their emotion in a human way. So, you know, we read a lot of these Psalms, like dashing your babies against rocks, and you're like, what the heck is that? We keep mentioning What is going on with that? You know, but basically what the article, Our Weird Verse Wednesday, was saying is that that that's what condition the author was in. That's how he felt. He felt such anguish, such pain. So if you're going through some stuff, maybe the book of Psalms is good to read for you. Um, Yeah. I I think because it's so long, a lot of people treat the book devotionally. Where like they just read a few like a few psalms in the morning, yeah, mm-hmm. get what they can out of it, and then move on. Yeah, yeah. no one. I don't. Most people, I don't think, are trying to power through this book. Yeah, it's a tough power through if you're trying to do that. It's it's unrealistic. But if you have a set Bible plan, usually the Book of Psalms is integrated into that plan. It's like every other day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When I was in Bible college, I had to read the whole book in one week. Really? Yeah. So I would like go. So I was like on the band in church and stuff too. So I would go play. And then during the sermon, I would like just go back outside in my car and just read Psalms. And then I go do the altar call. And then I go back home and just read Psalms. And I just, I did nothing but read Psalms for like the entire week. And I barely finished it. Yeah. You I mean, barely absor- absorbed anything. Yeah. yeah. Can you even remember it? Like no. Yeah. I didn't even know it was a book until we recorded this yeah, today. <laughs> Psalms. Yeah. Well, that was the book of Psalms. We hope you taught we taught you something, um, at least a little. Um, at least a little. You know, it's on it's on all of your podcast apps. So if it's too much for you to absorb in one day, listen to it again. And but again and again and again. Sometimes I go back and listen to our episodes again and again and again and again and again and again. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I know what you mean. No. You know what I mean? No. <laughs> No, that's the best way to learn when you listen to the same thing where repetition is key I'll listen to an episode twice you know but there's something that they haven't done yet and that's go on BibleDingers.com go on Facebook go on Instagram go on Twitter and if you haven't liked our page if you haven't followed us if you haven't subscribed if you haven't downloaded all of our episodes on Spotify on Podbean what other apps are there? Um, Apple, Apple Podcasts, Apple, Stitcher, Samsung, Google, Google. iHeartRadio. Download YouTube. them on every single device yes. that you have so that we're everywhere. Because you take your phone everywhere with you, you got to take your Bible dingers with you also. Okay? Yeah, and when you're on social media... Just give me the likes, don't pass and scroll. Don't pass and scroll. Hit like, hit follow, hit subscribe, and most importantly, ding on. Bible dingers. Switch your switch your attitude. Go ahead, level up yourself. This that different latitude. Life too short, don't spoil yourself. Feel that feeling. You know the words. Who doesn't know the words, bro? A lot in the past week. I know every word to every song.